As I said, we will continue our series of messages from Luke. Luke tells the story of Jesus, points us to Jesus. Of course, he's the most important person for us, so we want to look at some of the things that Luke tells us. Uh, And today we want to reflect on retirement riches, looking at what Jesus points us to in this regard. And in that regard, we're going to look at the gospel that's appointed for this day, Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Dear friends, this story in Luke reminds me of my dad's Uncle Adolf. When I was young, Uncle Adolf and Aunt Martha would come to visit us. They were nice people, God-fearing people. Come, and, and my sisters and I, my youngest brother wasn't born yet, we would write a play. And on the porch on the side of our house, we would perform this play, and they were sitting in the, in the lawn chairs watching. It was, it was enjoyable. They were, they were nice people. Now, I'm Uncle Adolf, or dad, my dad's Uncle Adolf, had made this plan. I mean, he worked hard his life and decided, when I, on the day, when I turn 65, I'm going to retire, and then we're going to do some other things. So on the day he turned 65, he retired. And the next day, he died. In some ways, it's a sad story, but not as sad as this story. There's a whole different situation. As I said, this um, Uncle uh, Adolf and Aunt Martha were God-fearing people. He was ready to meet his maker. Uh, And Aunt Martha, I'm sure she mourned his death uh, for a time, but a couple years later she did remarry, which is very common for people who are happily married once they're widowed after a, a period of time to remarry. Uh, especially when the others have good years left. In fact, one of my members in in Michigan, uh, he was already in his 80s when his uh, wife died. And uh, he wasn't planning to remarry, but he met someone and they married. And I know they had at least several years of of happy wedded life, enjoying each other's families. Uh, This happens. Well, but that's all different from the man in this story. This man decided to retire not on his 65th birthday, but when he thought, okay, I've got enough money, I've got enough riches 
now that'll last me for the rest of my life, I'm just going to sit back. And what was, his, what was his plan for retirement? Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Rather self-centered, isn't it? We don't even hear of family members being included in his plans. It's just, I am going to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And does this still happen? Yeah, this is, this is quite modern, isn't it? The people store up enough help, I'm going to work hard, got to get some money, and then I'm going to retire early, and we're just going to spend our life uh, just having fun. Uh, <clears throat> and that's what's his plan. Now, really, planning for retirement is something everyone should do. Now, there are some people who do really want to work until the day they die. But does that always work out? As we get older, our bodies start to wear out, and they can't do the things they used to do, and often because of health reasons. They have to retire before they die. Or... The job market changes and they're no longer marketable or, you know, things change a lot in, in the years that somebody's in the workforce. And so whether they want to or not, they do have to retire. And so they should be planning for that. Now, besides saving money, what other things should we think about as we face uh, looking forward to those last years and, and retiring? Where should we put our priorities? Jesus gives us some direction in this text and we're going to take a look at a few of those things. Well, we start, the start, text starts off with this man that comes to Jesus. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What was important for this person? It was money, wasn't it? I want my share of the inheritance. Now, even though he hadn't worked for it, he felt he deserved that because it was, you know, from his, his family. Uh, now, if this man's brother had cheated him out of opportunities to go to the synagogue and worship, do you suppose he would have been complaining? If his brother had cheated him out on opportunities to, to take care of their aging parents, do you think he'd have been complaining? I don't think so. Don't know him, of course. But... No, it was the money he was interested in. And things really haven't changed that much in this world. Arguing over an inheritance, over the will of someone's of parents, it can tear families apart, unfortunately. It even has effect on Christian families sometimes. Terrible things can happen because arguing over riches, money, things that left behind by parents. Uh, <clears throat> and it just... That's the way this world is, isn't it? People are interested in money. They want to get something for nothing. Play the lottery. Go to the casino. Fall for some of these get-rich schemes or, you know, get your debt cut or whatever. That's all what is in people's minds by nature. Uh, <clears throat> now, what are the important things in life then? Obviously, we, I think we have to say that money is not one of them, and Jesus is going to point that out. Uh, if you were to ask even some of these people, what are the important things in life? Somebody said, well, family, uh, friends, your health, 
um, you know, the environment, things like that. You know, even the people in our text probably would have answered that way, even though the real priorities probably weren't aligned with what they were saying. Um, well, Jesus points this out. He says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It goes even deeper than to think about family and friends. Well, to have family and friends, what do you need? You need a relationship with them. You need relationships. And uh, to get relationships, there has to be understanding. And because there's sin in this world, there has to be forgiveness. Uh, <clears throat> you know, a life, you know, if you don't have a good relationship with people around you, all the money in the world isn't going to make your life happy. You're going to be unhappy. Uh, <clears throat> bitter, perhaps. You see, and it goes deeper than just with other people. It goes with your relationship with God. God did not create us to live alone, to live separated from him or to live separated from other people. <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is, sin gets in there. Sin separates. Sin separates us from God, and all those sins drive wedges between us and other people. What happens when you, when you do a wrong to someone, hurt someone? You've driven a wedge there. The same thing happens when we sin against God. We've driven a wedge between him. And we can't get rid of that by ourselves. But thanks be to God, he has taken care of that for us. He sent his son Jesus to suffer all the pain and suffering and punishment that should fall on us because of our sins. God is angry at our sins. They should be punished. But he turns, punishes Jesus instead. All those things we've done to other people that we can't pay for, Jesus paid for those things. Uh, <clears throat> and, and so he, once those are paid for, restored relationship with God comes back. God has declared his peace with us. And when we believe that, then we have peace with God. And then we can have power and ability to turn to others, to people around us that, uh, <clears throat> you know, that have sinned against us and we can forgive them and have a relationship with them. Uh, and it changes things. This is where, this is really the important thing in life. Um, important thing in life, what is the important thing in life? Knowing God and knowing his forgiveness. This is what restores relationships. Um, and once we see that, once we understand that, we're going to want to hold on to that. For even though we have this forgiveness from God, we have this peace from God that is very real, still in our life, we tend to re-wreck that relationship with God that he's established. We sin again and again. Sin against God, sin against other people. Re-wreck those relationships. And so we need to get those relationships re uh, refreshed. And the way we do that with God is to go to his word. Listen to his word. Hear it again, how he forgives us. How he sent Jesus how he loves us, what he's done for us. 
And that refreshes us in this relationship. Um, and so the important things in life, not only just knowing God and his forgiveness, but knowing his word and knowing how to forgive others. All of this is important, most important, in our life in this world. Restored relationship with God through his forgiveness, restored relationship with others through forgiving them. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins. We need that regularly, but also we pray for power and desire to forgive those around us so we can reflect that to other people. Uh, and these are things that can't be taken away from us. These are the most important things there are. What now? Well, one of the things that can really mess this up, God says, is he says to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Or another translation is all kinds of covetousness. Well, if you go back to your confirmation days, you study the Ten Commandments, and how did they end? What were the last two that we, at least in our numbering system? You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his workers or his cattle or anything that is your neighbor's. God gives us commands not to covet. Even though it's a sin, it's a something that happens only in your heart. Now, where does covetousness come from? It starts with discontent. It starts with feeling, oh, my house really is not big enough. It's not new enough. It's needing too many repairs. It's not really what I want. Discontent. Discontent about your spouse. My spouse is not as attractive as I would like or once was. My spouse is not listening to me. My spouse is uh, <clears throat> not doing the things I think they should do. Or workers, whether it be people under you, if you're a boss, or workers beside you. Oh, why can't I have workers that, are, that work, you know, instead of sloughing off and leaving me to do all the work? Why can't I have workers that are, that are nice to me and kind and don't take credit for things that I invented or, you know, all sorts of things like discontent. And then discontent then goes to starting to look around and seeing, oh, my neighbor's house, it's sure nice. I sure would like a house like that. I would like his house. Oh, their spouse, look at the So attractive and thoughtful and... and what it looks like from the outside anyway. And looking and seeing other things and then wanting them. That's covetousness. Wanting those things because you're discontent with what you already have. And if you let that covetousness fester, it leads to doing things, to try to get those things. It leads to sin of many kinds. It leads to broken relationships and, and despair and meaninglessness. It interferes with enjoying the real important things in life. Covetousness. Watch out for it. 
So what now? Be on your guard against covetousness. And when we look at, you know, what's important, a related thing is what lasts for eternity. Back to our text. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yield an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, the man in Jesus' parable was obviously rich. He was probably rich before this abundant crop. He probably worked hard. That's how he got this. Between his working hard and God's blessing his work, he had an abundant crop, uh, and he was very rich, and he f felt he could comfortably retire on what he had. He was all set. But he was short-sighted. He hadn't considered what lasts for eternity. Crops, riches, don't. And so he ended up, you know, if probably ended up in hell. Unless it was a sin of weakness, but did not end well for him. We could think of some other scenarios in, this, in a similar name. You know, suppose that instead of him dying, a fire came through and destroyed his barns and all the crops in them. You know, grain is quite flammable. Burn it all up. And there he sits with none of the riches that he had. You know, stock market collapse. Um, things failing. This can take away the riches that people thought they had. Um, family members, all of a sudden coming up with the thought, hey, this doesn't belong all to you. This was left in an inheritance for all of us and it needs to be divided up. And so he's left with only a sliver of what he thought he had. They even take all the, the, the crops because they were growing on land that they owned and now where does he sit? Can he retire? What's he going to He can't eat, drink, and be merry anymore because he didn't think about what lasts for eternity. You know, even family. Pouring your, your, all your effort and making that the most important thing is to raise a good family. And this is important. But when this is the most important thing in your life and family grows up, moves away, or even dies, you know, where do you sit? Even spouse, it's important to pour attention on your spouse, right? But when your spouse becomes the most important thing in your life, more important than, you know, this is not going to last for eternity. I mean, I think back to the story I started with. Aunt Martha, she entered retirement without her spouse because he died the day after his 65th birthday. And, but she was able to continue because that was not the number one priority in her life. What does last for eternity? Those same things that we just talked about that are most important. The, <clears throat> what, you know, have meaning for us. Forgiveness. Peace with God. Forgiveness from God. Now, in heaven, of course, we won't need forgiveness, but we will get there on the basis of having all of our sins forgiven and being made 
perfect and holy and righteous in God's sight so that we're worthy of entering heaven, that will last for eternity. Because he has promised us an eternal home in heaven. It's going to be full of all the things we need. Banquets of sumptuous food and drink. We are going to be able to sit back, relax, eat, drink, and be merry forever in heaven if we plan what lasts for all eternity. Um, <clears throat> like many people in this world, the rich man in the parable had not thought about what lasts for eternity and put his most pri important priority in that. And in the end, when he's called home, that makes him foolish. Or when that, when that is taken away from him, it makes him foolish. Because the person in this, you know, the person that puts his, uh, their priority in these things that last into eternity, when things come along and the riches get taken away, that person says, okay, God, you have a different plan for me than letting me enjoy these riches. Show me what it is. Help me to get what I need. When God takes away family members or even a spouse, then we could turn and say, okay, God, you have given me forgiveness and life in heaven. Um, help me to deal with this loss in this life and, and go on and, and serve you until you want to call me to that eternal home. It's a whole different attitude than the man in the parable or many people in this world today. Because Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, it says rich toward God. It probably maybe could be translated more like rich in God, rich toward self, rich toward God. Uh, <clears throat> the, the things that, you know, with our riches that are in God, these things like forgiveness and peace, uh, store those things up. Uh, so what lasts for eternity? Knowing God, knowing God's forgiveness and peace, and being rich in God. Now, this does not mean, of course, that we shouldn't accumulate earthly wealth on this earth. Uh, there's no need for us to become monks or take a vow of poverty. In fact, it encourages us to work and to, you know, and finally in Ecclesiastes, Solomon concludes, you know, it is best to work and enjoy the fruits of your labor uh, on this earth. Um, Paul wrote, you know, whoever shall not work shall not eat. This is important. The faithful child of God will work to support their family, uh, support the ones around them, to uh, pay their taxes. Taxes, you know, really we just pay to, for our government to provide the services that we enjoy roads, police protection, um, military to protect us from outside invaders, all sorts of things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of money goes into our taxes, but, and it's not always efficient the way they do it, but it's important. So we work hard for those things and to help others that, that are less able than we are, return a portion to God. We work hard for these things. Um, and some people, God will bless to become rich. 
In the Bible, we have people like Abraham, Job, Solomon himself, whom God blessed with immense wealth. But these men knew or eventually learned, as seen Solomon relearn this when he was old, um, that these all come from God and recognize that that's uh, where they come from and that there are more important things that we need to face than just collecting riches. Um, and they use their wealth for serving God. Uh, and so what now? As we gather up riches and, and reflect on retirement riches, we certainly will want to consider what lasts for eternity and then put our priority in using our riches for that uh, priority. One of the ways we can show this is by using some of the riches that God gives us to support our church. We want a place where we can gather like this, hear God's word, join together in song and, and prayer to, to restore and refresh our relationship with God, which is the most important thing. It takes money. Um, to have a nice place that's worthy of our worship of God. Have a pastor who is able to teach and to, to preach to you. Beyond that, having a place where new pastors are trained, our seminary, colleges, uh, having uh, offices that print and publish things for use in congregations, and as well as uh, doing mission work to reach out with that same gospel to other people. All these are important uses of our money. I, I was privileged in my ministry. Uh, I was in the ministry before I retired for 43 years. Almost 20 of those years I spent on foreign mission fields in Indonesia and Albania. That was a blessing, a blessing I enjoyed because there were many people back here in the States who used their riches to support that work of reaching out to others. Uh, and these are all things which help us to, to be and remain rich in God. Um, so what now? Well, use your riches to support what is important and lasts for eternity in life. I don't think most people would argue that it's important to set your priorities in life and then to follow those priorities. But so many people in this world don't think about, don't know, don't understand what is important. Um, you know, included, you know, is a priority of planning for retirement. Um, it is good to reflect on these riches that you get and how you use them both retirement and for your use now but for that <clears throat> we want to consider what is important in life important in life is considering your relationships your relationship first of all with God your relationship with others which comes through God's forgiveness and grace and mercy which then is reflected to other people around you hang on to that by hearing his word and being refreshed in that word so you can appreciate that. Um, and then you'll be able to <clears throat> enjoy life and enjoy eternity forever. 
and eat, drink, and be merry in heaven. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.